You know, God hears our heart when we desire to do his work. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery. As we go through the Bible, we are in Psalm 106 today. We're going to talk about that again. I love the Psalms. They are a great book. We're going to talk about that. Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? Well, did you know that Psalm 105 focuses on the Exodus event? So that's exactly what we're doing today, too. Ryan? Today, my segment is all about the 12 houses. What are the, what are the 12 houses? Well, join me later on in the program to find out. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, any, anyway, that's, uh, we'll talk about, they're coming up in 20 minutes. We'll talk about that. What did you do? It's Friday. That means we have a fun Friday wrap-up question. I have a whole team of people behind these cameras that are watching, that are playing along with us, with Ryan and Corey today. I can ask a question anywhere from Psalm chapter 77 all the way through to Psalm 107. Psalm 106, verses 1 through 12. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. O visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words, they sang his praise. Psalm 106, verses 1 through 12. For those of you reading the Bible through with us, we're in Psalm 105, 106, and 107. Today we're going to focus on one specific psalm. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Lord saves us. Now, that's not something that we hear often if we only watch the news and go about our business, never taking the time to actually read the Bible. But when we do stop or are forced to consider what God has done for us as people, we're confronted by the truth of God. The Lord is not a bully or domineering. He is the one who created everything, including the TV set or the computer or the phone, you're watching this on right now. He does not have to act tyrannical because he's the one who defines leadership. And he is the standard of goodness. 
if we just let the news tell us what makes a good leader, we will always be deeply wrong, understanding what it means to be a leader. Now, biblical leadership is not democratic. Very important to hear that. It is not about picking and choosing a person who will benefit you the most. Just because the majority rules does not mean the majority is right. God, however, is always right. Now, I know that's a strong statement today. Many people will challenge me on a lot of reasons for that, but it's important to remember. And today we're going to focus in on 12 verses of Psalm 106. We're going to teach on it in the next few minutes. And Father, I pray today as we talk about the Lord who saves, we're going to read the psalm and we're going to learn, Father, what you've taught and how you've said this. And Father, today I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that if there are people watching who need to hear this, may they hear what you're saying, what your spirit is saying, Lord. And as we read the Bible, we don't want to read our stuff into it. We want to listen to what you've said to change our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, and this is what we said, amen and amen. Get your Bible guide and turn to today's page. If you don't have one, you can go to uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com and get one or write to us or call us. Psalm 106. I love this psalm. It is great. And here is what it says. Verse one, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That line right there is worth an entire sermon. But nevertheless, we'll go forward. For his mercy endures forever. That line is an entire sermon. Nevertheless, that's a strong line. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all of his praise? Who? Blessed are those who keep justice with each other. And he who does righteousness or rightness with God at all times. Now that brings me to this first point. God hears our heart when we seek to do his good work. God is listening to us as we listen to him. We have to listen to him first. We must remember that our life is not about us. It's about God. I want to tell you, this is something that I often talk about with people. And that is that a lot of folks are talking about what I can do for me and my, my career, my family, me, me, my, my, me, my, I, yes, me, my. If you're a Christian and you follow Christ, you have to understand that Jesus Christ was not about me, my mom, and, and my family. It was about others. We need to realize that God has called us to follow him and live our life accordingly. Now, there is a priority structure. I understand that. But at the same time, there is a call on our lives, if we're Christian, to begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he said to do. Talk to the people, love your enemies and all that kind of stuff that is in the Bible. We need to read it. We need to understand it. That's what the Psalms is saying to us. In fact, let's go back to the Psalms and read more. Here's what it says in Psalm 106 verses four and five. Remember me, O Lord, with favor you have towards your people. Now that's interesting because your people is, is a fascinating identification. If you're Christian, you're one of God's people. Oh, visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, 
that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. That's what the scripture says. And this brings me to point two, which we need to remember. God has selected those who have and will choose him as Lord. He knows our future decisions. We are selected to serve the Lord. Again, our life is not about us. It's about him. I say to people all the time, and many people get offended by this. So you'll probably get offended if if you're not used to hearing this. But I say to people, I don't have a free will. I gave my free will up when I came to Jesus Christ. Because every decision I make and everything I do, I have to do, I pray about it, and ask the Lord what he would have me do before I make that decision. Uh, I mean, it's a real shift in, in thinking, and God helps us. His Holy Spirit comes into our heart, and God helps us. Beloved, we need to understand that this is the way God desires us to be. And it's not that we give ourselves so valiantly to all of these people, but it's that we have a shift in our thinking and our changing. And we have to think about, okay, that's good for me. But is that good for my coworkers? Is that good for my family? Is that good for my children? Is that good for my wife? Is that good for my friends? We think about all of these things. So in many ways, our minds expand. And we have to be sensitive that we are not islands, but we are people living in this particular world. Now, that's fascinating. Go to Psalm 106, verse 6. Here is what that psalm says. It says, We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, and we have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders, Lord. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies and there was not one of them left. And then they believed his words and they sang his praise. Now that's the, that's the setup and this is what we learned. God has saved us for his name's sake. And his name is very important to demonstrate his mighty power. When we recognize God's mercy and goodness, we gladly come under his will. There are many people who say they know the Lord, but do they? Because knowing the Lord means you recognize his mercy and his grace and his salvation, and that just changes you because you realize we live forever. And as we do, our future life, eternity, needs to be adjusted now. Eternal life begins now, not in the future. And we need that adjusted. And when we invite the Lord into our life and adjust it, God changes us, beloved. We need to remember that today. This is exactly what the Psalms tells us.
Today I'm continuing on with my creation series through the Psalms, and I call this segment today the Twelve Houses. Now, if you recall, yesterday we witnessed how the sun, moon, and stars have been able to be harnessed by mankind for timekeepers. But you know, this is nothing new. God established these celestial bodies as timekeepers from the beginning, and ancient man also knew of these benefits. Check it out. Since the earliest of times, the heavenly bodies have served mankind as timekeepers and navigation markers. And though ancient man is generally considered to be more primitive and less evolved than modern day man, they understood the movement and the location of the heavenly bodies extremely well. So well, in fact, that it seems they even erected structures such as Stonehenge in England to calculate the progress of the different seasons. Indeed, cultures such as the Native Americans understood the timekeeping component of the sun and harnessed it by using a compass, which had four cardinal points, marked by the position of the sun at sunrise and sunset on winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, and sunrise and sunset on summer solstice, the longest day of the year. Ancient man, particularly sailors, also understood the importance of the stars as navigation markers. For example, in the northern hemisphere is the constellation called Ursa Minor. The bright star on the end of the tail is called Polaris, and marks the location of the North Pole. In the Southern Hemisphere, there is no star to mark the pole's location. However, extending the long axis of the Southern Cross constellation four and a half times reveals its approximate position. Ancient cultures also observed that while certain stars seem to be fixed, others move. While some move night to night, others move over longer periods of time, such as weeks, months, or even years. The Greeks called these moving stars wanderers, and is where our word planet is derived. It was also discovered that the sun, moon, and stars followed a certain path throughout the sky, what we now call the plane of the ecliptic, and that the annual cycle of the seasons corresponded with a complementary cycle of fixed stars. Identifiable groups of fixed stars, that is constellations, would move slightly each night and complete one whole circuit of the heavens in concert with the progress of the sun through the seasons. They eventually divided these background stars into 12 houses, now called the signs of the zodiac, and plotted the movement of the sun, moon, and planets through these houses as a way of describing the progress of the seasons. Eventually, with the invention of calendars, this method became less popular, although some still use this technique today. The truth is that the intelligence of these ancient astronomers does not comport with the theory of evolution, which asserts ancient man was primitive and less evolved. The Bible, however, promotes that God created man fully formed and at full capacity on the sixth day of history. Further, while naturalism and evolution have no basis for explaining why the celestial bodies function as timekeepers and markers, the Bible in Genesis 1.14 records their establishment for these very purposes. So the sun, moon, and stars have been fulfilling their purpose since the very beginning. And it appears that mankind has also, since the earliest of times, been using them for this purpose as well. Make no mistake, ancient man was no dummy. They knew a lot about the stars of the heavens, even without the benefit of modern technology. You know, one of the things that fascinates me, and I'm amazed by this, is that when we talk about stars, we talk about the planets, we talk about all that, it's, it's just amazing. Now, the planets are named after Roman gods now, and the sun is a Roman god and all that. But it's interesting because they would look at the stars, and really the first astronomer was Abraham. 
or maybe Adam. Or, or Adam, yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, we have reference. You mean like in the Bible. Yeah, in the Bible. Let's the stars. Let like, let's, uh, let's, let's just But God said to Abraham, go out and look at the stars in the sky. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it would have been like. I, I suspect it would have been a lot clearer than it is today. And uh, they understood and they knew things. And I guess the idea is when you reach out beyond yourself, Today, we are focused on ourselves and television and internet focuses us on the inside. But when we focus on what's out there, um, our hearts become ignited with the power of God and all of that. So Mm -hmm. that is really amazing, Ryan. Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the the names of the planets. And that's actually one of the first things I want to ask the Lord when I get to heaven. What what do you call them? Because we know in his word he has names Names. for everyone. So, you know, I want to know what what does he call Jupiter? Because he made them. Yeah. Right? So, what does he call Alpha Centauri? Yeah. What does he call all of these I mean, places? yeah. What a question. Yeah, really interesting question. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Corey. All right. Well, today uh, I took my cue from Psalm 105 because in this psalm, the psalmist looks at Israel's history from Abraham, you know, the patriarch Abraham being chosen by God through uh, the sojourn in Egypt from the Exodus to the conquest of Canaan. Uh, And uh, we see here this being a huge part of ancient Israel's identity, that God made them a nation from Abraham, that he rescued them from Egypt. In fact, I just finished, uh, you know, recording a couple weeks ago, um, a six-part Bible study, which I'll talk more about uh, next week on King Saul. And, and one of the things that I notice in First Samuel all the time is God talking to the Israelites in this way. He says, I am the God who saved you out of Egypt. That's how the Israelites identified God by this Exodus event. So clearly this event being historical, there's a lot of skin in the game for people who, you know, for Christians and for people of the Jewish faith, there's a lot of skin in this game for the Exodus event to be in fact an actual historical event. So let's take a look at some of the lines of evidence that we should expect uh, uh, for this event being historical. The Israelite exodus from Egypt is one of the most controversial events that the Bible claims as history. Its very nature, however, means that the kind of corroborating evidence that we would expect to find for it would be itself different in nature than many other events. Not only is the claimed exodus event very ancient, but it involves a defeat and humiliation of Egypt, which is not the kind of thing we should expect to find carved on the victory monuments of the pharaohs. Beyond this, the Israelites lived nomadic lives in the wilderness for 40 years. A people group moving around does not leave the kind of material evidence that a sedentary culture does. So when establishing the historicity of the Exodus, several lines of evidence must be considered to build a case. A key line of evidence involves the importance of the Exodus as an establishing event. The entire culture of Israel revolved around it. Yearly festivals were observed because of it. Events were dated from the year of the Exodus. Even the very justification for following the law of God was that God had rescued them from Egypt. The Old Testament has well over a hundred references back to the Exodus event. Not only does the Bible tell us that it happened, but the resulting culture of Israel also points back to the Exodus as its foundational event. 
Another line of evidence examines the biblical account of Israel in Egypt to see if it fits what's known about Egypt of that time, or if it reflects a later or spurious reconstruction. Could the Exodus account plausibly reflect actual conditions in those areas and cultures? Turns out, yes, the biblical Exodus account contains timely Egyptian loanwords, accurately describes a new kingdom setting and beliefs. On top of this, there's archaeological and literary proof of Semitic slaves in Egypt. Along with surviving slave names, the city of Averis has been excavated, which would later be known as Ramesses. It was a Semitic city that was abandoned sometime after the reign of Amenhotep II, a candidate for the Exodus pharaoh. The Book of Deuteronomy was written in the style of a Hittite suzerain vassal treaty, meaning that the law itself was organized into a style from that period. Another line of evidence appeals to Egyptian parallels of the Exodus event. Though this area of research is highly debated, there are texts like the Admonitions of Ippur that record the sorrow of an Egyptian official over plagues afflicting Egypt. And there may be Egyptian parallels to the I Am name of God revealed to Moses in Exodus 3. Final lines of evidence have to do with Israel's emergence in Canaan. Israel left some distinctive marks on the landscape of Canaan that appear during the biblical time of the Judges. Their existence on the archaeological record demonstrates that they did come from somewhere, and Egyptian documents themselves, like the Merneptah Stella, places an established Israel in Canaan by the 12th century. So again, maybe this isn't the sort of case that you were hoping for or that you were expecting, but it is a very, you know, solid case. There is, there is good ground to stand on here, uh, to see the Exodus as an actual historical event using several lines of circumstantial evidence rather than, you know, maybe the direct kind of evidence that, that we might initially want or hope for. That is really something. Thank you for your reports, both of you. That's, it's just, that's excellent. They do a great job. And uh, Corey, we do six programs out mm -hmm. of the studio. Uh, six, can you believe that? This is one of them. This is the main program that's a daily program. We do six programs now and uh, God is helping us and we just go forward. And one of the programs we do is weekly recap. Tell us about that. Yeah, so my husband and I do a chapter by chapter recap of all of the assigned reading uh, for each week in the Bible Discovery Guide because we know it is very fast. It goes through, there's a lot of assigned reading and some weeks are heavier than others. So uh, we've heard from a lot of you that you fall behind sometimes and it can be a struggle to get caught back up. So that's the idea behind the re weekly recap is you can watch that. It gets you caught back up so that you can just start again on Sunday with your weekly reading or on Monday. Uh, so if you'd like to check that out, we release it every Saturday morning and it's just on my YouTube channel, which is my name. Okay. Now, I got to tell you, it's because we put it on the uh, Bible Discovery Family and Friends channel network every day. Yes. Uh, since the beginning of the year. And it, I've been watching it. It's been it's been great. I've been I laughed at you and your husband there. You're awesome. Uh, you're on this set. We got the lights that come down. <laughs> yeah. We have the mics here. And it's a lot of fun. Let me tell you. You have those uh, viewers, too, that are very studious. <laughs> Yes, you know, very studious because they just want to make sure that they have read it yes. and that they have caught the concepts and they sort of 
test themselves. They do. I, I have heard that from several people that they're just testing to see how much they retain in Isn't a week because great? it is so fast. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, I know I mean, a few years of that and you're going to be wow. When you get the people to the, are amazing. When, well, that's true. When you get to the historical section of the Bible as well, uh, after you've read the Bible several times, I'm like I'm finishing my 32nd time. You read through it, and uh, you you oh yeah, this happens, and stuff starts to stick in. That's when it starts it's to make so sense. exciting. Yeah. and you're like, and it's just great. God blesses us. Great. We're running out. You of know time. what else is really exciting? Bible questions. These questions depends on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that <laughs> no, I, I look at it with excitement. <laughs> we have talked about this specifically. Okay. I mentioned this specifically not too many days ago. So I think you're all going to be fine. I think it's it's going to be all right. And all Your of Bibles you are who closed, do this so at good. home, you're, I think it's all going to be good. And remember what I say, if you even if you get it wrong, you're learning, right? This is how we learn. All right. So here we go. According to the psalmist, how far has God removed our transgressions or our sins from us. Let me read that again. According to the psalmist, how far has God removed our transgressions from us? Number one, as far as the north is from the south. Number two, as far as the east is from the west. Or number three, as far as the heavens are from the earth. What say you? Let me repeat those one more time. That's as far, an easy answer. As far as the north is from the south, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the heavens are from the earth. How far? Yeah, we've uh, conferred on this. Yes. Yeah. Um, go ahead. You want to answer? Yeah, it's east from west. Yeah. <laughs> East from west. And that's your, you, you conferenced. We did. We did. We, well, we, did. we I, that's what I, I was thinking, signals. I was thinking number two and I asked her, what do you think? And she said number two. So, mm -hmm. so it's confirmed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. confirmed. So, and, and you know, all of these choices are, are, are fairly good, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're all fairly, they're very far apart. Pretty far. Pretty far. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have to measure those distances. Five all seconds. right. Five seconds. We're okay. Because if you chose number two, as far as the east is from the west, you're right. You know, the Lord promises us that we need to think about God. And so we need to pray today, Lord, I need to stop depending on myself to accomplish your work in my life. I don't depend on me to understand that, but your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Think about that. And as you're thinking about that, remember that every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 to 4.30, we are on Facebook and YouTube and Bible Discovery TV with a live prayer meeting. Join us.